this is Dr. Rebecca Malfoy-Evans. And I'm Dr. Hannah Helen Glossy-Scott, and welcome back to Incidental or Intentional. We are retired investigators and both graduated from Harvard, where we got our PhDs and master degrees in natural sciences and criminal justice. We started off as interns in South Carolina, where we got law enforcement experience in the Charleston Police Department. Coincidentally, we were both offered full-time jobs there. We worked together and became the lead investigators for around 45 years. Now we live our days diving deeper into unsettling cases. Today we'll be discussing the Ron Gillette case. Ron Gillette, an Air Force man, tried to kill his wife, Vicki, by dissolving sleep pills into an alcoholic drink. When that failed, he suffocated her with a garbage bag. When the case was originally being investigated, they ruled it as an accident because it appeared that way. The garbage bag that was used to suffocate Vicky was filled with laundry. At the crime scene to make it look as though Vicky had fallen asleep folding laundry and accidentally rolled over, causing an unfortunate accident. So without any solid evidence that it could have been a murder, they ruled the case as an accident. However, not even 11 days later, Ron was seen in town with a new wife. This led investigators to have suspicions of Ron, so they decided to reopen the case. There were numerous pieces of evidence that led to the final conclusion of Ron being guilty. The first and most important piece of evidence is the murder weapon, the garbage bag. When it was found, it appeared as a normal bag with laundry in it. However, when investigators took a closer look, they noticed that all of the laundry inside was already folded. So they decided to take the bag into the lab for tests. Hannah met with the forensic scientist, Kevin Poorman, to discuss the testing of the garbage bag. Our first guest today is forensic scientist and latent print specialist Kevin Poorman. He was responsible for analyzing the bag that was found next to Vicky's body. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. We are curious, what made you think the bag had any value to the case? The forensic side of me began to try and assess what we can do with the bag and what's the potential value of the bag. I asked myself, is there any forensic processing that needs to be done with the bag? Interesting. What exactly did you do to test the bag? We looked for facial oils on the outside of the bag. I placed the bag in an airtight chamber and then introduced heated superglue, which adheres to any oils present. Unfortunately, none were found. If you found no oils, how did you prove this was the murder weapon? Well, that's when I realized I had made a crucial mistake. What mistake did you make? Well, the bag was inside out. So, I repeated the superglue test, but this time, I found a large ovular area that resembled a face. Under oblique lighting, I was able to make out a different facial features, such as a stretch impression of a nose and a chin. How did you prove this face did in fact belong to Vicky? Well, I first had to prove that the imprint was a facial imprint, so I decided to devise a test of my own. Using the same brand garbage bags, with the help of a volunteer, they placed their face on the bag while we pushed their face from far behind into the bag to create facial impressions. Then, we compared a life-size photograph of Vicky to the laundry bag, and it ended up being a perfect match. What exactly were you looking for during this test? Well, we were looking for the transfer of face oils to the bag, and also to see whether there were any stretching that was occurring in the bag itself. Describe the process of this experiment. I used six different bags. Each time I increased the pressure on the volunteer's face. After the sixth test, the volunteer said that the pressure was so great that she declined to participate any further. What were your findings of this experiment? 
I examined all six bags, and only the sixth one matched the stretch marks found on the laundry bag. This round was the one where the most pressure had been applied. So, the test proved that the image on the laundry bag was a human face created by extreme force, not by accidental rolling onto it. Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us and sharing these very important details. figure out how the murder was executed, it was time to tighten up the rest of the details. During the biopsy of Vicky's body, Michael Clark, the forensic pathologist, who will become increasingly important later on, did find the sleeping pills in her system, but Ron told them she took them herself. However, after further investigation, they found 14 pills rather than the four he had originally claimed she took. At the crime scene, the investigators discovered an alarm clock that was set to 3 a.m. It was later discovered that the alarm clock was set so that when it went off, Ron could check if the pills killed Vicky. When he discovered that she was alive, he suffocated her. When the case was reopened, a witness stepped out of the shadows. We met with them to discuss exactly what they saw. Our second guest was a neighbor of the Gillette family. Out of respect, they will remain anonymous. Hi, thank you for joining us today. Hello, thank you for having me. We've heard you had a story. Can you explain that story in detail? Yes, I do have a story. On the day of Vicky's death, I remember looking out my window, seeing Ron on the stairs, looking fine, like it was just a normal day. I hear the ambulance pull up to Ron's house, and as they are pulling up, Ron changes his expression. He looked distraught, sad, heartbroken, etc. I thought this behavior was very strange, but I didn't think much of it until I heard that Vicky had died. Then I knew something was up. Your story is definitely a crucial piece of evidence to this case. We'd like to thank you again for coming on and sharing what you saw. Now that investigators conclude that Ron, in fact, was the suspect, they had to figure out why he would want to murder his wife and the mother of his children. As we mentioned earlier, the sole reason why the case was reopened was because he had remarried just 11 days after the death of his wife. So, we took a closer look at this new woman. We had reached out to her in hopes she would like to share information with us, but unfortunately she denied our request. When he had arrived back in town with the new woman, investigators called Ron to check the story. He had claimed that he remarried because his kids needed a mother, but the investigators sent suspicions. Ron's new bride, Su Yen, was a Nicaraguan citizen living in Las Vegas. Because of his military job, he regularly traveled to Las Vegas. He was living two separate lives, the life with Vicky and their kids at George Air Force Base and the life with Su Yen at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas. She also told them that she never knew about Vicky or his other family. Another piece of this intricate puzzle was the fact that Suyen was pregnant with Ron's twins. She told the investigators that her and Ron had been engaged for eight months and threatened to end her relationship with him if they didn't get married soon. Investigators discovered that invitations to their wedding were mailed before Vicky's death. The motive was finally discovered. Ron had gotten so deep in debt because of the new wedding that killing Vicky in exchange for her $27,000 in life insurance would help to finance it. Now it was time for court. It was up to the defense to try and prove Ron's innocence. In order to do so, they had the pathologist, Dr. Michael Clark, testify. However, just before he was about to testify in favor of Ron, he had discovered something on the x-rays on Vicky's lungs. We have him here today to tell us exactly what he discovered. 
Hi, Dr. Clark. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please describe your change of heart when testifying during the, the Ron Gillette case? Prior to this case, I saw another case where a man died because a car slipped off the jack, landed on his chest, and kept him from breathing. So, I compared the x-rays from that case to the x-rays from this case. Can you describe exactly what you saw in the x-rays? Ruptured blood vessels. The areas of bleeding found on her lungs indicate the pressure changes in the lungs that you see when airflow is obstructed through the mouth and nose. Therefore, these x-rays prove that Vicky was suffocated to death. After this discovery, what happened? On the morning I was set to testify, I shared the discovery with the defense and told them that I changed my mind. I knew from that moment on that Vicky was in fact murdered. Thank you so much, Dr. Clark, for coming on and sharing your side of the story. Thanks to Dr. Clark's testimony and the plastic bag tests, the jury was convinced that Ron Gillette was guilty of first-degree murder, and he was almost sentenced to death, but one juror saved his life. So, instead, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Miraculously, he only served 15 years of his sentence before he was released for good behavior. He now lives in Vegas with Suyen and their children. That's it. That's the conclusion of this case. Thank you for listening to Incidental or Intentional with Dr. Rebecca Malfoy-Evans and Dr. Hannah Holland Gillespie-Scott. Next Thursday, we will be picking apart and discussing a brand new case, so check it out. Also, take a look at our website, incidentalorintentional.com, if you want to listen to our old podcasts. That's all for now. Bye!